In today's show, it's time to recap the 2022 NBA draft. Michael Bolton, let's get to it. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. The NBA draft is about almost 24 hours old at the time of me recording this. Yesterday, for the first time, I did a live show. I think it went pretty well. Um, so I hope you guys did enjoy that if you tuned in. Now what I've done is just let, let everything settle in. I've been thinking about the draft over the last you know, 24 hours um, and trying to work out my thoughts on all of this. I'm not going to go out and give letter grades or anything like that. Just overall opinions on what happened in the draft. Next week, we will do some more draft stuff, but some dynasty rookie rankings as well. And then we'll head into start looking at NBA free agency. That's the plan. I don't know what days they're, they're going to happen and all that sort of stuff. But we're here to look at the NBA draft, including undrafted free agents and trades that went down and, and a bit of a discussion about all that sort of stuff that did happen. So, warning. <laughs> all right, let's go alphabetically. Start with the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I think they did. They started out really relatively well. Like when you're sitting at pick number sixteen, and a guy that I thought was a top ten player in AJ Griffin um, falls to you, I think you have to feel pretty. Um, you have to feel pretty happy with that. He's got good size on the wing. It's good value at pick sixteen. You didn't give up anything to get there. Um, they didn't make any moves surrounding John Collins or Clint Capella or Bogdan Bogdanovic, which we'd heard so many times. But Griffin, there's a, a clear opening there on the wing. You know, they were starting Timothy Lawawi Cabro at times last season. And having extra wings when Hunter gets hurt or Bogdanovic gets hurt or they wave Gallinari in his partial guarantee, there's minutes. He's not going to be an impactful guy straight away. And he's not maybe the greatest fantasy option because of some of the lack in other areas. But I, I like to pick at 16. I then didn't like what they did because they had pick 44 and there was a guy that was sitting at the top of my best available board, Ryan Rollins, who was there for a long time. And when someone asked me in the live chat on the um, live show, who's the best ball handler, point guard available? I want my Hawks to get someone at 44. And this is at about pick 32. I went, I reckon it's Ryan Rollins. They get to pick 44. Ryan Rollins is there. Okay, here we go. Ryan Rollins. They trade the pick. They sell it. Well, they sort of sold it. They traded from 44 down to 51. They got $2 million from the Warriors, and Ryan Rollins went at 44. So that annoyed me. They ended up with Tyrese Martin at pick 51, who I don't really think is going to be any sort of NBA contributor. They also uh, signed Tyson Etienne after the draft. He's fine. Like We'll see. I don't think he's going to be much of an impact guy. But I like what they did at 16. I didn't like trading out of 44 when they could have got a guy that I thought was a first-round player in Ryan Rollins, and he was available at 44. But they ended up trading out of that and getting some cash uh, in the uh, in the process, next couple of teams is pretty boring because what did Boston do? Nothing. J.D. Davison at pick fifty three, point guard out of Alabama. Um, you know any pick outside the top fifty? That's why it was so interesting to see B.J. Boston play so well last year. They just don't do much. These guys and Davison is not going to have any sort of impact in any time now. I, I don't really, but I'm not completely ruling that out. He's okay, I guess would be the best way of phrasing um, maybe where some value that J.D. Davison can bring. But what I did think was interesting is they were able to bring in Trevion Williams. I think they've only signed into a summer league deal, 
but he's a guy I thought should have gone in the middle of the second round. And that is an interesting player. When you're running guys like Rob Williams and Grant Williams in the front court, guys who are big men who you utilize their weird skills and passing ability, which they both have, and Al Horford, I think it's an excellent spot for Trevion. And I'd be way more excited about them signing Trevion Williams than I am with them drafting J.D. Davison. Much more excited about that. The Brooklyn Nets, no draft picks for them, but they did bring in three undrafted guys at this point. Alondez Williams, a two-way player. Um, interesting point guard, ball handler. We know that there's... The, the story with Brooklyn, of course, is what the hell is happening with Kyrie and KD, but losing James Harden, um, do, don't know what's happening with Patty Mills. Like, do, yeah, Ben Simmons will be back, but getting just another guy in like Williams, who's a good passer, um, got some ability to create shots. Yeah, just a guy in there on a two-way. Their two-ways worked well last year with... Um, uh, Kessler Edwards and the old, uh, the big fella. What's his name? David Duke. Yeah, Where's he? there he is. He does. So they were the guys they used and had some value in last year. And I think that Williams is interesting. The other two guys they have there. Now, should we do it now? Oh, no, let's, we've got some interesting stuff to say, but we'll talk about that in a second because the other interesting stuff I've got to tell you is BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including the Stanley Cup playoffs, and there's a game about to start in about an hour here. Game five, maybe the Avs clinch it. And then you've got Major League Baseball as well. And they'll have NBA futures on there too after the draft. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. We got news that the Charlotte Hornets hired a head coach. Steve Clifford is back. Why? I have no idea. I know that they were left a little bit weird after Kenny Atkinson pulled out, but the reporting is that Atkinson pulled out because when he had, you know, he had agreed to be the coach, he hadn't signed the contract, but then they said, no, you can't actually pick your assistants. And he was like, uh, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. I'm not just keeping your assistants on because you don't want to fire them, you cheap blokes. Um, so he's gone. And then they bring back Clifford, who we know is a guy that hates rookies. Talk about that later in a sec. Um, has really good defensive principles, and this team needs that. Can be a little bit weird and bad offensively. I wouldn't say it's a terrible decision. It's just absolutely not exciting or inspiring at all. Like not even remotely close to me getting me excited. Even if they had a signed 70-year-old Mike D'Antoni, we'd have gone, all right, let's try it. Let's see what we can do. Steve Clifford, I know what it is. It's like, oh, let's get the eighth seed again, which is where they've been for four, four or five years. Well, they haven't because they dropped down and got Lamella Ball, but you know what I mean. Like this is That's where they peak out, and I think that's where Clifford teams peak out. Anyway, what they did in the draft was some of the dumbest... Sh- oh, Lachlan doesn't want me to swear anymore, so um, it, it was stupid. What did they do? They sat there and had picked 13 and 15. They were sitting there. Oh, they're going to use picks and they're going to try and dump Gordon Hayward. So I was prepared for that. They didn't do that. At 13, they need a big man. They've needed a big man for years and years and years. And they've never gone after guys like Rashawn Holmes or tried to trade for Miles Turner. They've never done that, which they should have. And at pick 13, they were sitting there and Jalen Duran was available. And they could have taken Jalen Duran. And they did. And I went, yes, this is Unbelievable. He's going to have fantastic fantasy value. We love this. He's like eight. He's not turning 19 till November. This is amazing. 
And then in one of the dumbest things you will ever see, they traded Jalen Duran, a center they needed at pick number 13, and they got back four second round picks. Who cares? Like, honestly, who cares? Some of them might be okay. Some of them will be terrible. And they got a 2023 Denver first round pick, which is almost definitely going to be outside the top 20 and possibly outside the top 25. So really, they traded pick 13 for like pick 25 and some seconds. The value proposition there is horrendous. And the draft next year is stronger. No doubt about that. Pick 13 in this draft might be equivalent to pick 17 or 18 or 20 in next year's draft. But it wasn't like you were you, you were going through scraps because Jalen Duran probably could have been a top 10 player. On talent and potential alone, he was. The devaluation of the center position means I wouldn't have picked him until I was the Charlotte Hornets. And if they were a pick eight, I would have picked Duran still. So to trade out of that spot and get nothing back, no cap relief, nothing, apart from a, 20, a, a 2023 pick in the, the very end of the first round, it's just horrendous management. It is, it's that trade, which was like a three, three or four team trade in the end. I don't know how so many teams did poorly in it, but they did. And that is a horrendous deal from Charlotte. But at pick 15, they did get their center, Mark Williams. Yes, he's three years older than Jalen Duran. Yes, he doesn't have as much upside as Jalen Duran. He's a good shot blocker, good lob threat. He's going to put up numbers. He's going to be a really useful fantasy player this year. This really boosts his stock. Is he an all-star level guy? I would be really stunned if he was. But it's it's a pick that makes sense. They could have grabbed some AJ Griffin and Mark Williams, Jalen Duran and AJ Griffin. They could have grabbed all these guys, but they didn't. Now, in saying all that, they traded up and at pick 40, got Bryce McGowan's. I like it. That's a really good pick. McGowan's could have been a top 25 player really easily. That's strong. 6'6 wing from Nebraska. I guess they'd look at it as an eventual Terry Rozier replacement, maybe a Gordon Haywood replacement. That's a really good pick. But the process behind all of the nonsense around pick 13, pick 15, it, it's stupid. It's bad, and they should feel horrendously bad. And if you're a Hornets fan, I apologize. Are there any Hornets fans listening to this? I, I apologize because that stinks. It smells a lot. And... It's not, look, maybe Mark Williams becomes great. Maybe Jalen Duran is, is terrible. It's not the point. The process behind this is no, there's no sense. Because you haven't made this pick saying, well, I know Jalen Duran sucks. I know he's going to be terrible. So therefore, I'm going to get at least something back. You didn't do any of that. The process behind it is dreadful. It's, it's like you do not understand an NBA trade at all, in my opinion. It's a horrendous process. And now, the Chicago Bulls. I didn't like it, but yeah, I didn't like them picking Aya Dasunmu last year, and he outperformed that perspective. I still don't think that Dasunmu is as good as some people do, including Bulls fans, who I had tell me he was a top five player from last year's draft, which is honestly one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Um, there was a lot of players available here at 18 when Terry went, and I wouldn't have picked Terry. He's a very low usage guard at Arizona. He's got good size. He's got good passing. He's got good defensive ability. But can he shoot? Uh, I don't think so. Is he high usage? No. Do the Bulls need high usage? At the moment, no. But they're not always going to be that way. He's like 18 or about to turn 19. 
So in four years' time, you'd hope he's taken a larger role, and then he sits there with a 17% usage as a starter, which is not good. Um, I like what they did getting Justin Lewis on a two. I think that's a really good move. Lewis was a second-round player, probably a top 40 guy, I thought, uh, forward from Marquette. So I like that. And then Akoldar Gak, who's from the NBL, and Henry Drell, which is a great name. Uh, they also brought him in. But yeah, the Terry pick, I don't love it at all. I'm not going to sit here and completely destroy it. So I think Terry can be like a point guard version of like a Kyle Anderson sort of a player. Really useful. But I am totally against picking Oshai Agbaji at number 14. And I know that there are people in the Agbaji camp that go, ridiculous. He should have been picked 10. He's unbelievable. Look at him. He's a great bloke. He led Kansas to the title. And all that is true. But the Cavs, I, I fear that they've gone, well, look at us. We got to the play-in. We're ready. We're ready to contend. So we just need players to um, help. And I don't think that's true. I don't think they're ready. They've got a good core. But Agbaji is older than Darius Garland. Pretty sure he's older than Colin Sexton. He's older than Evan Mobley, pretty obviously. He's marginally younger than Jared Allen. Is there... What is he apart from a spot-up shooter? Is his best-case scenario a sixth man? Maybe he can be a starter. I just... Take the 18-year-old, AJ Griffin. He was there. Yes, you don't need Mark Williams at that spot, but AJ Griffin was there. The Agbaji thing... Taking a 22-year-old in the lottery makes no sense to me. Uh, Especially not one who's just absolutely a star. Take Tari Eason. Take AJ Griffin. Take Malachi Branham, which would have been a great pick. Don't understand it. Their second round, three second round picks, 39, Khalifa Diop, big man from Spain or playing in Spain. Fine. Don't think he'll come over. 49, Isaiah Mobley. Most people don't have any interest in him. I know Sam Vecini was massively into him. It's obviously Evan Mobley's brother. I think he's a good option to bring in there. Maybe you can get him to take the Dean Wade minutes at some point. And then at 56, they're going to love this bloke. 56, Luke Travis from Perth in the NBL. Ripping mustache, fantastic mullet, wing-sized player. I'm not sure if he can play, but he looks like an absolutely top bloke, and people are going to love him. They're going to love the way he plays. They're going to love his look, his attitude, all that stuff. He's going to be so funny, and he's going to be fantastic in the NBA. Uh, I don't think he's going to be much of a player or a high-level guy, but they got him, and they uh, brought in Malik Osborne as the, the Dallas Mavericks. They traded up. Well, they traded in at pick 37 from Sacramento to get Jaden Hardy, which was, I think, unbelievably good. Now, Hardy is probably not going to have a big role on this team, especially if they bring back Brunson. Brunson, Doncic, Dinwiddie, Bullock. But if they lose Brunson, Hardy was a top five recruit. Top five player on mock drafts at this time last year. And he failed to pick 37. He failed probably 15 spots too many. And Dallas just went, oh, we've got to get him. Like, we've just got to get him here. And I love it. I love making that move. It might not work out, but at the cost of nothing, why not? I think it's fantastic for them. He had some horrendous efficiency in the G League. He's got some athleticism concerns. And I think also some size concerns. To be honest, 6'4 is a 2. is not that big. But the pedigree is there. The shot making is there. The shot creation is there. I think it's a great pick. And they also signed Marcus Bingham. I don't really know much about Marcus Bingham. Oh, Marcus. Let's go to Denver. Um, they ended up with that trade where they sent out Jermichael Green, so got pick 30. And I'm going to tell you now, I'm underwhelmed with what they did. 
At pick 21, Christian Brown. 6-7 wing. That's important. We know that. Wings are important. He's like 21 years of age. He's fine. At least he's forward size, which they needed. But I'm not sure there's much upside. Then at 30, they picked Peyton Watson, which again, the size is there. The pedigree is there. The production is some of the worst production you will ever see. His numbers, I think he averaged three points a game at UCLA. The numbers are disgusting. Like it's, look, there's When you actually go to basketball reference, you see stink lines coming off the numbers. That's how bad it is. They, they drew them on. I don't know why they did it, but that's it's harsh, but they did it. They're terrible. But as Brian Schroeder pointed out, he's missed so much time through COVID in high school development that give it a crack. And I don't mind that. That's why I go, okay, it's pick 30. You're not wasting too much. Have a crack. But I still think there were better players on the board. If I look at who was there at pick 30 that you could have taken, um, yeah, Prachita, Hardy, I would have taken. Um, McGowan's, I probably would have taken a flyer on. Rollins, I would have had a crack at as well. But it's not terrible. 46, Ishmael Kamagata, I really like that. He's not going to come over this season. And he's obviously going to be a backup to Nikola Jokic. But... If it pans out, and I think Kamagate's got an ability to be a starting center, that's a good one. They also Colin Gillespie on a two-way. He can play straight away. We saw them using Davon Reed. Yeah, Gillespie could take some of those minutes as a two-way. I like that one. Uh, Adonis Arms, actually 100% the best name in this entire draft. Just an absolute cracking name, and you have to sign him. So signed him, and then Drake Jeffries. Um, cool, who I don't know anything about. Adonis Arms, what an absolute cracking name. Apparently a good bloke as well. Detroit. Now, I don't like a lot of things that Troy Weaver does. I, I don't like a lot of the moves that he does. I've said this plenty of times. I think he makes some horrendously confounding decisions. And somehow, other teams bail him out. Is he, is he just the greatest negotiator in history? I didn't like the Jeremy Grant deal. I, I, even the trade when he got, him, got rid of him, in terms of the return, was a little bit underwhelming. People were completely overvaluing what Jeremy Grant did. But then other teams come in and just completely bail him out. Like uh, the signing of Kelly Linick and Mason Plumley, All that doesn't make sense when they did it. But they get out of it. They get bailed out. And here, they're sitting at pick five in a four-player draft. And the Kings don't take one of the four. So Jaden Ivey falls in. And this is not... I don't look at this and go, well, look how well Troy Weaver did. Because he got Jaden Ivey at five. He did literally nothing to get Jaden Ivey at five. He, may, he didn't screw it up by taking him at five. I'm, I'm not saying that Troy Weaver hasn't done a good job because there's part of this that's hugely a good job, but not all of it is. And I'm not 100% convinced how great this is. Ivy and Cunningham, on the surface, I go, yeah, that probably works. It, it probably makes sense together. But maybe it doesn't. What if Ivy needs the ball? What if Ivy can't shoot? There's no use next to Kate. That's, that's a worry. The athleticism, it's worth having a bet on. But it's not 100% a seamless fit. It's not a seamless fit, but again, you take the best, the who you think is the best player at four, or sorry, the, you think is the fourth best guy, and you take him at five and you do it. There's no guarantee that Jalen Duran's going to work out either. He probably won't be able to shoot, and you know, leaving you with a team that's just got Bay and Cunningham that can shoot, and everyone else can't. Um, will they play Duran and Isaiah Stewart together? That sounds disgusting, although Stewart started to hit some shots towards the end of last season. But the value proposition is amazing. He turned Jeremy Grant, which maybe was an underwhelming return. All he did was get the pick 
The Jeremy Grant pick. He also traded up 10 spots in the second round in the Jeremy Grant deal. But he got the Jeremy Grant pick, took on $8 million of Kemba Walker, which they'll just waive. He'll be bought out. And turn that Jeremy Grant pick, a 2025 Milwaukee first, into Jalen Duran. That's amazing business. Now, it's great. It requires somebody else on the other side to completely screw it up, and they did. But he took advantage of it. So congratulations to him. So in, if this doesn't happen, you go, well, the return for um, Jeremy Grant's pretty underwhelming. But he gets out of it by getting Jalen Duran for that return. So Jeremy Grant for Jalen Duran. Great. I think it's a great, great, great move. And then the pick that they got in the Jeremy Grant deal, they used for Gabriel Prochita, which is an amazing pick. Now, Prochita apparently isn't going to come over this year, but I love that pick for Prochita, who could have been a top 20, 25 player. That's really, really good. So I love that selection. So turning moves and then looking at them and turning them again and turning them again, getting good results. There's no guarantee that any of this works out. And I'm still not... Yeah, do I love this Pistons draft? They probably needed more people called Jaden or Jalen this, on this draft. They need to look at what Oklahoma City is doing to really lean in. But it's a, great, it's a great haul. And it's great value for the haul. And we'll see what it turns into. They also signed Buddy Bayheim, Two-Way, then Charlie Moore, and Stanley Umude. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm probably not. And they've got Kemba Walker, who again, they're going to buy out and, and not play. Golden State Warriors. At 28, Patrick Baldwin Jr., upside bet, isn't it? Top five player before this season. Stunk, couldn't shoot. I think he can shoot, though, long-term. Had some injury problems. He's big. If it works out, like he's a 6'10 wing who can shoot, it's bloody brilliant. It's fantastic. I think that's a great pick. I would have had him a little bit higher. And then they buy that pick at 44 to get Ryan Rollins, a pick-and-roll attacking slashing guard with some shooting ability. I like it. I could not like what you did at 28 and then buying into 44. At those spots, I think the value is tremendous. Um, Peyton Willis, Alex Morales, Jacob Gilliard, and Lester. I, don't, I do not know how to pronounce his name. Lester Quinones. I'm going to guess it's not Lester Quinones, but who knows? Kevin Herter calls himself Kevin Herter, and it's clearly not. Um, Lester Quinones. Lester Quinones on a two-way. I can't, I can't tell you I know anything about him. I need to do some research on that. But what they did in the first and second round of the Golden State Warriors, I was happy with. Houston might be annoyed that the guy that they probably thought was the best option on the board at Palo Bonquero ended up going at number one, right? They might be annoyed at that. But I think they should love what they did. Jabari Smith falls to three. I'm not conv- I didn't think Jabari Smith was the number one guy, in my opinion, because I just didn't think that his self-creation was there. But his defensive ability... He's shooting off of Jalen Green and Alperen Sengun. I actually think the top three guys were all perfect fits, and it worked out great. And I think this is fantastic for Jabari. He's going to have some really good fantasy value here. Really strong, because he's not going to be asked to do too much and keep his efficiency up. 17, Tari Eason. Yeah, bye-bye, Jason Tate. This is where Eason slides in. Yeah, probably bye-bye, KJ Martin as well. Eason, Smith, Sengun. Yeah. I can see that being a combination as early as next year. And 29, I thought he, I thought Ty Ty Washington could have been picked at pick 10 for the Wizards. Kentucky guard, point guard, dealt with injuries. A little bit older for sure as a freshman, 20, better than 21, I think, um, which is a bit annoying. But a lottery potential guard at 29, 
after trading down from 26, which is the pick he got for Christian Wood. A great piece of business from Rafael Stone. I love it to get Washington there. So I love all of their picks. And then they got Trevor Hudgens on a two-way. On to the Pacers. Yeah, probably wouldn't have done this. Six, Benedict Matherin. Shaden Sharp was there. Just take him. What does... Where does Matherin fit on a team with Halliburton, Brogdon, for how long, I don't know, Buddy Heald. Oh, yeah. They also drafted um, 70-year-old Chris Duarte last year as well. So... Are you envisaging Halliburton, Duarte, and Matherin all starting for you? Because I don't think any of them are threes. Well, Halliburton, so they're all decently sized, but do they all work together? Is Matherin a better option than Duarte? Yeah, I think he is, pretty clearly, even though Duarte was solid last season. I just, you got to take the you got to take the swing on Sharp. I think you had to take that swing. Matherin's fine. I don't think he can ever be a guy that creates tons of offense. Because of his limited handle, I think defensively he was lazy at times, but he can improve there and the shooting can be all right. It's not a bad pick. It's not what I would have done. At 31, Andrew Nembhard, plenty of other options there instead of Nembhard. No, absolutely no reason for that. It doesn't make sense. You still got McConnell, you still got Brogdon, you got Halliburton. Nembhard just feels like a Pacers pick or a senior point guard. It I don't, I don't, doesn't make sense. But I like what they did at 48. They got back into the draft at 48 and took Kendall Brown, who at one point people had top 10. Yes, he is a bad shooter and a highly reluctant shooter, but he's got the size on the wing. He's a good defensive player. This is what this is what you do. Yeah, if they had taken Kendall Brown at 31, fantastic. I think it would have made sense, but they somehow got him at 48. They've got to work on the shooting and the offensive confidence, but I like it. They got Tevin Brown also as an, as an undrafted guy. I like that too. And then Jermaine Samuels was the other guy they brought in. Not much to really talk about with the Clippers. Musa Diabete from um, Michigan. Yeah, like tall, forward, shot blocking ability. I am not massively into Like it's fine. Lucas Williamson, Justin Bean, and Michael DeVoe as the other guys. There's really not a lot to talk about with them though. Um, Diabete, Diabete is not going to have a big role, I wouldn't have thought. For the Lakers... I like taking a swing on Max Christie at 35. Wing size player, you always need him. If you're the Lakers, you need cheap players to play. Stanley Johnson started games. Like Max Christie could be that guy and could be as good as Stanley Johnson straight away. Much like Peyton Watson, his numbers in college were horrific. But we have the chance to see if he can improve. I love this pick for them. Scotty Pippen Jr. on a two-way. Cole Swider on a two-way. Um, Sharif O'Neal on a summer league invite. RJ Cole, Fabian White. That's all fine. They've always done well with undrafteds and two-ways and, and later picks and early second picks. And no reason for me to think that Christie's a bad one or to um, yeah, think, we'll see what they can do with Pippen. I'm not that big on him, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. When they sign the two-ways and undrafted guys, there's generally something there. But I like them getting the Lakers getting Max Christie at 35. Memphis was pretty weird, I thought. I like them using 22 and 29 to trade up for Jake LaRavia. I think he's a really good fit. Just replace Kyle Anderson, the sensational playing off of Jaron, playing off of Jar, playing off of Des Bain. I love it, right? I love that. Um, I don't get trading DeAnthony Melton. Now, we have said for years and years and years, does Memphis actually realize what they've got with DeAnthony Melton? We have said this for years. Please, can you play this bloke? Why is Dylan Brooks getting these minutes? What are we doing? Play DeAnthony Melton. Play the wave pool. And, oh, man, can you trade him? Just trade him somewhere. And they did it. 
for pick 23 and then to select David Roddy, who Roddy's fun, but is it going to work out in the NBA? I don't know. He's got some really good analytic numbers, of course, but he's an older guy, he's a shorter guy, he's stocky. I'm not sure I love that. 38 Kennedy Channel, I do love that. Really good steal rate. He's a short point guard. Gives them some nice insurance with Melton leaving. That I, he can develop into a backup, maybe a low-end starter on another team. And then Vince Williams at 47. Love that as well. 6'6", wing, some really older player again, but some really good analytic numbers. Love what they did. The only pick I didn't like was trading Melton for Roddy, really. Melton's significantly better than that, in my opinion. But they have continually underrated him. They also brought in Kenny Lofton Jr. on a two-way and then uh, Keve Aluma and traded away De'Anthony Melton. We'll talk about Melton more when we get to the Sixers. They also brought in Danny Green in that trade. But remember, Danny Green has a torn ACL. He's really not going to play this season and he might actually get bought out. He's only got a partial guarantee on this deal. So he might end up getting away, but he's not going to play if not until the very end of the year. If Danny Green was available to play, then he'd be unbelievable for them. But he's not. He's not going to play. Miami. They brought in Nikola Jovic at pick 27. I know a lot of people got into arguments with me when I was putting Jovic in the 25 to 35 range in drafts and said he's going to go way earlier than that. This is about the zone that I thought he would go in. Um, normally, you know, I'm, I'm pretty interested in guys and, and I try to push back on... There's sometimes a lot of anti-European um, bias in, when people talk about drafts and, the, and that sort of stuff and I try to push back on that. But Jovic and someone like Lukas Sharmanich were players that I was just not into. Like, I just didn't think that they were going to have that value. And so I'm not, like, it's fine. Can he pass a little bit? Sure. But I'm not sure that he's ever going to be able to be a solid NBA role player person. I'm just not, I'm not into him as a player. And then that bunch of undrafted guys, Jamari Boyea, Jalen Attaway, Bryson Williams, Jamal Kane, Aaron Wheeler, Bryce Hamilton. Um, yeah, not much to talk about with those guys. For the Bucks, 24, Marjon Beauchamp. Like, just a great fit. The Wes Matthews minutes, George Hill minutes, maybe. He's a bit bigger than that. But Pat Connaughton minutes. If Pat, well, Pat Connaughton's returning, he opted in. But a defensive guy to guard twos and threes. Yeah, that's what Beauchamp's going to do. I think that's a really good pick. I think in, I probably would have had Beauchamp. I think I had him in, in the early 30s. But if there was any team that I was going to take him with, I think the Bucks is the perfect fit. Just a solid role. You can fit in. You can take some Grayson Allen minutes and you can be a really good defender. And then at 58, they bought back in, as they always do, to get a cheap second rounder. Hugo Besson from the New Zealand Breakers. Combo guard who had some struggles in Australia. I think he can be an an all right player. No reason he can't make a roster. That's not bad. Then they also brought in Iverson Molinar, point guard. Yeah, that's good. He's got a chance to make the roster. And AJ Green on a two-way. Minnesota, a lot of people praising Minnesota's draft. I don't really get it. I don't get what they did. They traded out of 19. If they had taken Jake LaRavia at 19, I would have loved it. They traded back and got 22, Walker Kessler. Are they planning on playing Kessler and Towns together? I don't know. Did they just draft a backup center at 22? That's a ridiculous waste of, an, of a pick, if that's what they're thinking. Because again, centers are so replaceable. Starting center should be picked in this area. Are you think, do you think Walker Kessler's a starting center? At least not for a while. I don't really get what they're doing. 
26, Wendell Moore Jr., got some good numbers, some good passing numbers, but there's no juice. There's no upside, I don't think. He's an older guy who can pass a little bit, defend a little bit, but he's solid on the wing. Maybe replace some of the Torian Prince minutes. Maybe enable someone like uh, Anthony Edwards to play more at the two eventually instead of the Edwards and Beasley combinations or Beverly Russell, Beasley, uh, sorry, Beverly Russell, Edwards combos. Get you a bit bigger on the wing. I don't mind that. But then what they did with 45 and 50, I loved. Josh Minard at 45. Just sit there and watch what Jared Vanderbilt does, because that's who he is. An absolute defensive monster. He's 19 years of age. He's got upside. He shot 7% from three, I think. Maybe it was nine. It was shocking, whatever it was. And I love it, but it's at 45. Is it going to make a difference? And I love Matteo Spagnola, who could have been a first-round pick in my mind. An unbelievable shooter. He won't come over this year, but just a very, very good shooter on the wing and really young and got some playmaking ability. I really like the Spagnola pick. So I like 45 and 50, yeah, I don't really like 22 and 26. So, mixed bag. They also brought in Theo John as an undrafted free agent. Dyson Daniels went to the Pelicans at pick eight. I like it. It's, fix the shot, mate. Fred Vincent, fix, fix the shot. Get him to shoot. Um, Yeah, I would have taken him probably here at this spot. The fit isn't the cleanest because Ingram and CJ and Zion are all going to handle the ball a lot. And Daniels isn't a spot-up guy at all. So where does he fit in? Can he take away minutes from Devontae Graham eventually? Yeah, I don't think he's going to have really any impact this season. If he could, if they can develop him into a Lonzo Ball level of shooter, he's going to be a valuable player. And in three years' time, maybe he is a starter. I, don't, I think he'd be a rotation guy, but I don't think he's got a huge role coming straight away. I loved getting EJ Liddell at 41. Big defensive numbers. Yeah, putting him and Herb Jones out there in a second unit, even Daniels, like the three defensive guys. And then you can fly with the, um, uh, Devontae Graham as just someone who can score, like just let him go to, go to work. I don't really know where this leaves Jackson Hayes long-term, but I guess he plays back up center more. Where does Larry Nance fit? Liddell's not really going to play a lot, I wouldn't think, straight away, unless there is some moves, because again, there's Valanciunas, there's Zion, there's Nance, and there's Hayes. So I don't know where Liddell fits in there. There's still Hernan Gomez around if he's not out of contract. But it's good value at 41. And then Carlo Makovic at 52, he'll stay overseas. And they brought in Darian Sebron on a two-way. Don't know why I said it like a two-way, like that, on a two-way contract. So again, get him to shoot because he can't. Unbelievable driver, but he can't shoot. There's value in being that driver and being able to generate free throws like that. Isaiah Brockington, doesn't spell the name all that well, so I don't like, but he's brought in as well. The New York Knicks, let's talk about teams doing bad things. What are they doing? They obviously have something happening, or they think they have something happening. We can't assume they have something happening, because in the past, we've assumed that teams have had something happening, including the Knicks, and nothing happens. Are they clearing space for Jalen Brunson? Are they clearing space for Kyrie Irving? Are they clearing space because they think something's going to happen when it's not going to happen, and they're left doing nothing? That's sort of what it feels like. They had pick 11, and they traded it. And when you look at it there and go, pick 11, and we got three first-round picks back. They're not good ones, but we got three first-rounders. The Denver pick protected top 14, which will be 25. They got that pick back. And they got back a future Pistons pick and a future Wizards pick, which are not going to transfer in 23. They might be 25 or 26. So they're a long way down, um, and they might be pick you know, 12 or 16, and the Pistons might be good by then. They might be pick 20. Right, so they're not great picks. But three firsts for pick 11. If you don't like anyone there, uh, uh, fine, I get it. But then, in the end, 
what they ended up doing is they had pick 11. They ended up getting pick 13. They got that Denver first and they traded them away. So even though they traded pick 11 and got three first back, the net result of what happened for them on draft day is they traded away 11, 13, the Denver first, four second round picks and Kemba Walker. And they received a 2023 Detroit first, protected one to 18. A 2023 Washington first, protected one to 14. They won't get those picks. They'll get pushed to further years. And they got a 2025 Bucks first, protected one to four. So while they traded 11 and got three first back, in the end, in the end, they they finished with three firsts, but they sent out three firsts. They could have stopped after that pick 11 for the Thunder trade and, and, and been okay. But getting involved in this Jalen Duren situation, it's pretty weird. I don't, I don't really know what they're thinking there. Dumping Kemba Walker. That's the cost of dump Kemba Walker. At pick 42, I like them picking Trevor Keels. He'll compete there with Quentin Grimes and Juice McBride, those sort of guys. They also, I like them signing John Montero as an undrafted free agent and Garrison Brooks. But that overall trade is pretty confusing to me. And I can't judge it because I don't know what happens in free agency. But if nothing happens, then they are getting clowned. The Thunder. Pick two, Chet Holmgren. Absolute lock. Fantastic. Loved it. Right. Great. He's going to be the number one rookie off the boards in dynasty leagues and in redraft leagues. He's got a shot at a top 50 season. Yes. Oh, mate, the Thunder, as soon as he like you know, hurts his fingernail, he's going to be out for a month. And I don't I don't think that's true. Right. I know that guys get hurt and they miss time and there'll be some shenanigans. Remember, do not play fantasy basketball in April. I cannot stress enough to you. Do not do that. Do not play it, please. I beg you, please. Finish your leagues early. Um, he's going to go early. I like, I like that pick. He's going to be good. I'm pretty sure. I don't think I liked the rest of what they did. They got pick 11 off the Knicks for three firsts. They're not great first, but three firsts for pick 11. I don't think it's great process there. I don't really know what the point of it is. And Jeng is fine. There's good upside in Usman Jeng. He's got the size. He can handle. Maybe the shot comes along. He can defend. There's something there. I'm not sure the process is right. And then at pick 12, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Like, fine. He's a little bit older. He's going to be a backup guard competing with Trey Mann, I guess. Look, I think he's okay. I don't love it. And then pick Williams. The other Jalen Williams from Arkansas, pick 34, who's solid. Could Jalen Williams, pick Williams, could he fit with Chet Holmgren? I don't think so, but maybe. I'm still not sure how... Yeah, they ended up with four guys in the top 34. It cost them three future firsts to do that. They had a lot of picks, obviously. But I'm just not sure that they're home run picks. Like, Jeng, Jalen Duran, I would have been happy with. I would have thought that's a really good result for them. Duran and Chet, good combo. I would have liked it. But they didn't do that. So I'm not, I'm not sure. They also got Gabe Brown on an undrafted deal. I like that. And Jaden Shackelford, who I don't really know anything about. So I'm not really certain how I feel about that draft for the Thunder. The Orlando Magic. The best fit you could have picked. I still would have picked Chet. I just think he was slightly better. 
But in terms of fit, Paolo Banquero at number one is fantastic. He's going to have some issues with low defensive stats for fantasy, maybe efficiency issues, but he's going to be a guy you pick around 70 to 80, I would guess. And he's going to have every opportunity. I saw someone posting a lineup and say, yeah, they, he'll just come off the bench. He, he, no, he will not. Jonathan Isaac will not start. It'll be Carter and Banquero and Wagner and then Suggs, Cole and Fultz. Yeah, two of those three would be my guess. I don't think Isaac's starting. And Jumar Kiki's definitely not starting. Um, Polo might only play 30, 31 minutes straight away. But he's got real 25, and, 25 8, and 4 upside. So I, I like this pick. I don't like Caleb Houston at 32. A rough season at Michigan. He's got good size. But there are other guys that I could have taken at 32. I could have taken um, Max Christie, or who struggled just as much, but Gabriel Prochita was there. Jaden Hardy was there. Ryan Rollins was there. EJ Liddell was there. Any of those guys, I think, would have fit better after the guy. Philadelphia, no draft picks because they traded pick 23 and Danny Green for the wave pool, D'Anthony Melton. I don't think Melton, who is one of my favorite players in the NBA and someone who's been undervalued for years and years and years, I don't think that they will start Melton, Harden, and Maxi. If they do, like, Melton is going to be a popular fantasy pick, but I fear, I fear that the hype is going to go too far and people are going to start picking him at 60 or 70. Melton's 6'2". He's 24 years of age, so he's still young, basically the same age as David Roddy, who he's traded for. All right? I really like him. But I don't think you can start Maxi Harden, Melton together. Can he still get 26 minutes coming off the bench as a first guard off the bench? Yeah. Is that still top 100? Probably is, yes. But he's wildly inconsistent with shooting numbers. But defensively, his ability to steal, get blocks, get some assists, it gets really, really useful. He's a very good player and an unbelievable permanent fantasy guy. But I don't see a 30-minute role for him. They also brought in Michael Foster Jr. I like it. Julian Champagny on a two-way. I like it. And Amino Muhammad. I like it. I like what they did with all those undrafted guys. There's chances for those players. They've still got a lot of water to go under the bridge to see what happens with Matisse Thibel. Maybe they, maybe they do start those three guys. I, I just, I don't, I don't see it. Melton is a starter. He's a starting caliber player. I'm just not sure he makes sense to start on this team. Phoenix. They did nothing. Portland. I like it. They didn't trade pick seven. They could have. Well, they, I'm sure they tried to. Shaden Sharp, you take him. He won't do a huge amount this season with Simons and Lillard and Hart and Little and Grant and probably Nurkic. Sharp's not going to do much. He might play like a 20-minute role, but the Blazers bring these guys along slowly, like they did with CJ, like they did with Simons. Sharp's a little bit higher pedigree, so he will play some but it won't be much to impact. I, I think, I haven't done this yet, but I reckon he might be up at four or five in my dynasty rookie ranks. I, I like it. And then at 57, I think it's a really it's a good pick to get Jabari Walker there. I like that selection. He's not going to do much this season, but it's a good selection. So I think they ended up pretty good. Portland, that's some really good value. Sacramento. They picked Keegan Murray at four. I just didn't like Keegan Murray as the fourth best player in this draft. Sure, he can fit, but you are not a good team. You are not a team that is drafting. For, you are not good. You are, you are not a good team. Was Jaden Ivey a bad fit? Who cares? Why? Because you've got Davion Mitchell. Lol. 
because you've got Darren Fox, a six-year player who's never been an all-star, who's yeah, fine, but fine. Because you've got DeMontis Sabonis. Like, what, is Murray and Sabonis your front court now? I, that doesn't, that, I don't like that. Is it Murray, Barnes, and Sabonis? I'm not sure about that. I'm skeptical of Murray's production in college. Sophomore bump, old player bump, scheme fit bump. Does any of that translate, especially when you go to a terrible organization? I, I just, it, it could work out. Murray could be great. I just, when I do all my pre-draft evaluations, I look at these guys and then I go, I don't particularly like Keegan Murray as a player in this top four. And then the team that I trust the least in that top, top four picks him, it's very hard for me to give a benefit of the doubt. I will, and as, as I will for nearly all of this, because we haven't seen any what happens even in free agency or trades or anything. And maybe Murray and Sabonis is a fantastic fit. Maybe Barnes is traded and Murray and Fox and Sabonis are their big three. I don't know. But on the surface, it's I'm not I'm not hopeful, I'm not encouraged. They also brought in Keon Ellis on a two-way. I like that. They brought in Jared Roden and Jariah Horn, which is a good name as well. Spurs. Jeremy, don't mess with the Sohan at nine. I like that. I think he's got a chance to be a top five player. Gives him size. Can play next to Calden. Offensively, Chip England's going to have to work on it. But hey, if it wasn't Fred Vincent, this is where you want him to go. Figure out that shot. He's got the size. He can handle the ball a bit. There is upside here. I, I like this. And then... At 20 and 25, two guys just slid. Now, the problem I have here is Malachi Branham and Blake Wesley are both like 6'4", 6'5". Sort of similar height to Devin Vassell, to Josh Primo. Forget Lonnie Walker. He's not a part of this team, I don't think. So where does Branham and Wesley, who are higher usage guards, who probably play the same position? I think Wesley and Branham could play together. But are they going to move on from DeJounte Murray and try and get a haul back? Maybe. And I think so. I think Wesley can become a one and Branham a two. Vassal a three. Maybe that's what you do. But I don't know. There's a little bit of overlapping there. But if you're just going to go, hey, let's take the guy on the board who's the best guy there. I think that's fine. I like them bringing in Dominic Barlow on a two-way. Love that. Should have been a second-round pick. I like Darius Days. And I like Jordan Hall. So I think they did really, really well here. I'm still got concerns about how everything fits, but I like what they did. But Toronto, pick 33, Christian Coloco. Yes, we know that he is from the Cameroon and the same city as Pascal Siakam. And there is upside for him. He's got shooting upside. Probably could have been a late first round pick. They need a center size guy. It's him and it's going to be a chewer as those big men there. I wouldn't expect more than 20 minutes an eye for Coloco, but there is clear upside. There is dynasty value here for Christian. This is a really good spot. And I think there's value in this pick for Messiah and the Raptors. I really like it. I'm not going crazy about it, but it's a really strong pick. I probably would have taken Kamagate here, but Coloco's great. I think it's a good pick. Ron Harper on a two-way, really good two-way guy. And then they brought in Alex Barcelo, Jalen Sims, and Abu Kigab, who I don't know anything about those last three guys. The Utah Jazz, no draft picks. They brought in Johnny Jujang on a two-way guy, a two-way contract. Fine. Let's see. I'm not convinced he's an NBA player. Kofi Coburn, Daryl Morsell, Gene Nathan, that's a shocking name. Gene Nathan Williams Jr. and Jordan Usher. They're not going to do anything. Coburn maybe could stick around, but they're still going to be there. We don't know. They didn't do anything else though. And the Wizards, much like with the Kings and Keegan Murray, I haven't liked what the Wizards have done with Denny Avdia, 
I haven't liked what they did with Corey Kispert. I haven't liked them picking Rui Hachimura. I didn't like any of those picks. And then I also didn't like Johnny Davis, particularly as a prospect. So when a team that's got a track record where I don't like what they do takes a player that I don't necessarily like what they do at a spot that I think is too high, I'm not going to be positive about it. Like Johnny Davis probably can't be the one. Can he play with Bradley Beal? I don't think he can be a three either, so I'm not sure about that. They still don't have a point guard and not saying there was one available here because there wasn't. Davis is totally fine in this area. It just wouldn't have been what I did. Yeah, there are guys, like I would have taken Jeng ahead of him. I would have taken Griffin ahead of him. It's not terrible. You know, someone was, there are a lot of Johnny Davis fans around. Someone was arguing, hey, how can you say that he's a 30% shooter as a sophomore when he shot 39 as a freshman? He did shoot 39 as a freshman on 30 attempts. Or he's a 32% career shooter over two years from three. That's the worry. Can he scale back the usage and become a good shooter? Maybe. I don't know though. I'm not convinced that he's got the size to play up to the three either. I, I don't think we're going to get much out of Davis this season, to be honest, because you still got... Um, it was, they're still they're going to do something at point guard. And, well, maybe Beal doesn't come back. I don't know. I'm not massively high on Davis. I think And really, really low defensive numbers in college as well. I like the flyer on Yannick Nzoza at 54. This is a guy who could have been a top 10 pick a year ago. Fell significantly, but the upside is there. Just see what it, see what it is. He probably won't come over this year. And there's Davion Mintz and Quentin Jackson. Don't know anything about those guys. And that is the end of looking at the teams. Who do I really like what they did? The Spurs. I like what the Spurs did a lot. Yeah, I've still got questions about it, but I like what they did. Pelicans. I like it. Detroit, the end result, I like it. How it got there, some other teams may have handed them a few gifts, but I like what they ended up doing. Um, yeah, I the Thunder, I'm not sure about. I like what Houston did. I really like what Houston did. The Magic getting Palo is great at number one. Then what I hated, the Hornets. I'm confused with the Knicks. I don't didn't like what the Wizards did. Didn't like what the Kings did. But it's all going to play out in the next couple of weeks, months, and years. Let me know in the comments below what you thought of the draft. Who was the best team? Who was the worst? What did you think of my analysis of it? Drop it all below. And guys, follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app for here on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.